we go into getting pregnant and I go on all of these drugs and one of them makes me just so crazy. And I, I was again, all over the place, wanted to die, like wanted to crawl into a hole. Connor and I were in a really bad place. I'm like, we're not going to make it through this. This is so brutal. Friends, I am so excited for this episode. We have the amazing Kelly Moore on the podcast. You might've known or seen, I think we've reposted one of them, that I have done a number of podcasts with Kelly before on her podcast and also her podcast with um, her husband, Connor, and they are just a fucking hoot. Like Kelly is just hilarious. We are both Sagittarius's um, and we just vibe so well. And I'm really excited to get into this topic of conversation because she has been on an incredible journey and is still on an incredible journey of becoming a mother um, and running a really successful business. And I've been really just kind of obsessing lately, I guess, um, as we just had that episode with Georgie Stevenson as well, um, on learning and hearing and, and kind of giving you guys the opportunity to learn from these new mums that are also running their own company, um, just like on the real shit about it um, and the tips and tricks and things that you can be doing in case any of you guys need that right now or in the future. I'm not pregnant, by the way, for anyone that thinks like, oh my God, is this a fucking trend? Like Monica's pregnant and that's how these episodes are coming on. <laughs> like, no. Um, but I'm doing this just because I think it's a really um, underhead conversation. So yeah. That's what we're doing. Anyway, so on the episode today, we're talking about her journey with IVF um, to begin with. So that was really interesting to learn about. I loved learning about that. And I loved hearing Kelly's really authentic like thoughts on the whole process and everything. So for anyone that needs to go through IVF or um, is going through IVF, that'll be really great for you to listen to. She also tells a hilarious story about pregnancy sex and what's that, what that is like with Connor. So you're not going to want to miss out for that. Um And then it was just a really interesting conversation about this whole journey, the hormones, the way that this has affected her relationship in both good ways and also the challenge they had to overcome and all of the in-betweens with the new transition that they are both going through. So I'm really excited for you guys to dive in. Please make sure that you tag both Kelly and myself on your Instagram stories if you reshare the podcast, which we would love for you to do. And if you haven't left a review and subscribed, then please make sure you do so. I really appreciate it and it goes a really, really long way in supporting the podcast and helping other people to find the podcast as well so that everybody can get this really life-changing information, not just from the episode with Kelly, but from all of my previous episodes that I've done before. So with that, let's dive in. Yay. Okay. It is recording. We are good to go. We're just going to jump straight in. Is that cool with you? Let's do it. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay. All right. Love it. So welcome Kelly to the podcast. Do you want to give a really, a really quick intro into you, what you do? I find what you do like fascinating your podcast, or I know it's finished now, the Kelly show wildly successful and yeah, just tell us about it. Yeah. Thanks, babe. I'm so happy to be with you. I adore you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah. So I run Soulfire Productions. Um, We founded it about two and a half years ago. It's a podcast production company. So we have about 40 shows that we work with, almost all women. Um, Most of our team is women as well, which just fucking makes me so happy Um, because I come from a very male dominated industry. I was a TV host for about 14 years. My last job was with the the Lakers and the Dodgers in Los Angeles um, before I left that to start podcasting. And um, before that, I was an athlete. I went to USC. I played volleyball my whole life and, um, you know, just 
changed things a lot after I left, left television and started this whole new life. And I dealt with chronic illness for about 14 years as well which is a huge reason I sort of burnt everything to the ground and started over because my body was just completely shut down for so long. And I knew that being in a toxic environment, um, being in a space where I was having to grind, being competitive with everyone, it was just constantly this burden on my body. And I just knew that I had to step away and start something fresh. And I didn't know what that was, but it sort of took on a life of its own. And here we are a couple of years later. I love it. I, I love mm-hmm. everything you share on your Instagram. Like we are just Thank so you. on the same wavelength with everything. So yeah. anyway, what I'm so excited to chat to you about today is your fertility journey, your journey with getting pregnant and everything. And I'm so fascinated because you are like anti-pill, anti-toxins, anti any kind of hormonal birth control, but you did need to go down the route of IVF. So do you just want to tell us like a little bit about that journey and then we'll get into like more of a nitty gritty because I have some juicy questions to ask you. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I am very anti everything because I was <laughs> basically put on everything for so long and I trusted Western medicine with my life as many of us mm-hmm. do and then get burned and realize it's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Um, so I was put on birth control at 15. So my wow. experience, you know, I had, I'm 34 now. I stopped it at 27. I was on very, you know, a bunch of different variations of that the last one being the IUD. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had a lot of experience. And when we started IVF, because my husband was born without vas deferens, which is the tube that basically takes the sperm out when you ejaculate. So when he comes, there's no sperm that come out. So he can't get me pregnant naturally. So we knew from day one of dating that this is the route that we were going to have to go. And so we started, you know, researching fertility doctors, doing the whole thing. We found a world-renowned place that just happens to be here in Colorado And we got really lucky. They have really high success rates. And so I, um, you know, was super trusting and just went in and was like, whatever you guys say, just give me a damn baby. Mm -hmm. And the first thing they did was put me on birth control. (laughs) Mm. And I was like, okay. And I I thought to myself, it's just going to be three weeks. And the whole point is basically to tank your hormones so that then you have a surge of hormones, which helps your body basically trick you into um, not only uh, maturing the eggs so they can do the extraction, but then they want you to do it again before you get pregnant for the same purpose. So within days of being back on the pill, I was just out of my mind. I was depressed. I was suicidal. I wasn't attracted to my husband. I didn't know why I was alive. Um, I'm calling my girlfriends, just sobbing, like, what did I do? I think I want a divorce. It was really, really ugly. And, you know, Connor was just so lost. We just didn't expect it to be so bad that quickly. But I think Mm -hmm. because I had been off of things for, you know, for seven years, my body is just a lot more sensitive. And I'm a conscious and aware person now. That's before what I, I wasn't. I always say like, people always complain. You probably heard it. Like, why am I like so healthy, so self-aware, but I like still get sick or I feel this. I feel that I'm like, most people feel that, but aren't even aware of it versus like, yeah. because you get so in tune with your body and so sensitive, the slightest thing you're like, I'm going to die. This like life is over. But to the average person, they live with that all the time and don't even realize it's a thing. It's so disturbing. And it was such a good reminder because I remember feeling bad all the time and I haven't felt bad in years. And so it just took me back there and I was so scared. And I was like, if this is going to be my life now, like, what am I going to do? And so I got off the birth control three weeks later and then I started the other hormones. So I was on a bunch of injectable hormones and other pills and it was a complete roller coaster. Um, It was really hard. It was definitely the hardest month of my life. I would say it was really brutal. And 
Um, Connor and I, you know, were having a lot of hard conversations. He felt like he couldn't talk to me. Everything Mm -hmm. he said, I would either cry or scream at him for. And he was also going through this. He also had to have surgery. They had to extract his sperm. So, you know, he's having his own experience, but it's all about me because I'm a fucking psycho and (laughs) I don't know what to do. Um, Let alone, we're definitely not having sex, let's be real, because that's not hot. Right. (laughs) Um, So we did the extraction and everything went amazing. We got a bunch of embryos. Everything was awesome. And so then I started to detox off of everything. And yeah. as you know, and I'm sure many of your listeners know, like it's not like you come off of a bunch of hormones and you're fine the next day. Like no. it takes time for it to come out of your body. And so I did all the right things. Luckily, I know how to detox now from my experience with mm-hmm. chronic illness. So, you know, I'm on charcoal. I'm doing Organifi green and red. I'm doing yeah. the sauna every day. I'm working out. I'm just taking really good care of my body and eating really mm-hmm. well. And so I was able to get everything out from a feeling standpoint, I'm sure mm-hmm. it was still in my body, um, within a couple of weeks. And so I had about three weeks where I was myself and then we went right into getting pregnant. Mm. And luckily I stood up for myself finally, because I think the, the issue with the first round going through the, for the, um, egg extraction was that I didn't question anything. I just said, whatever you say, I will do. And I should have known after everything I had gone through with chronic illness Mm. that you can't do that. And IVF is just an extension of Western medicine because it's science, right? And and I should have said, hey, like, what is this going to do to me? And I don't want to be on birth control and all that stuff. And so I did speak up for myself on the birth control front. And I said, I can't do this again. Like I was legitimately suicidal. This is not okay. And so they did let me not do the birth control the second round, which was Mm. awesome. So I got to also, bypass like, that. Isn't that concerning? You weren't given that option the first time. Exactly. Not even like, 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 but also like Kelly, if you could do IVF without birth control, why isn't it just done without birth control? Yeah. Exactly. Right. Like if that is an option, <laughs> like anyway, whatever, we won't even get into that. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And, and the thing is I'm fertile as fuck. So mm. why am I having, this is Connor's biggest problem is why am I having to follow the same protocol as mm. women who are not fertile or are struggling with infertility. That's not my issue. And not to speak badly about those women, there's nothing wrong with you, but right. I'm in a different situation, right? It's my husband exactly. who's lacking a, a, a tube, you know? Right. So right. why do I right. have to do the same thing? And that was one of our things. It's like, we should have said, Hey, we're in a different situation. Can we go about this differently? And that wasn't mm-hmm. had. And, and I do take responsibility for that. So we go into getting pregnant and I go on all of these drugs and one of them makes me just so crazy. And I, I was again, all over the place, wanted to die, like wanted to crawl into a hole. Connor and I were in a really bad place. I'm like, we're not going to make it through this. This is so brutal. And I was on those drugs for about five weeks. Wow, and that, yeah. And then we do the transfer. And the thing that most people don't know about IVF is they make you stay on the drugs after you get pregnant. So I find out I'm pregnant a week and a half after we do the transfer, which thank God we got pregnant the first round. I'm so Mm -hmm. grateful. And then they're like, okay, you're going to be on this for six more weeks. You have to stay on the drugs till you're 10 weeks pregnant. And luckily one of the ones that made me really crazy, I was already done with, but I was still on super high levels of progesterone and estrogen because you have to trick your body into being pregnant so that it doesn't get rid of the pregnancy. Mm And it was, it was just so brutal. It was just like, it never ended. I felt so disassociated from my body. I felt, 
I just didn't feel like myself. I had no connection to my intuition, no Mm -hmm. spiritual connection. I hated everything. Um, My body is changing. I'm depressed. I'm still not attracted to my husband because the hormones are just flipping everything upside down. Mm. You know this. I'm bisexual. I start questioning all of that. I'm like, Mm. is this a lie? Did he make me do this? I don't, Mm. I'm not attracted to women. So then I'm like questioning our whole relationship. And it's just, it's really scary. And it took me until about 14, 15 weeks to finally feel like myself. And I had a rough first trimester. I was like puking every day. It was a whole thing. And then I finally started feeling like myself. My sex drive came back. I was like, just kidding. I love girls. And everything (laughs) felt better. I was attracted to Connor again. I wasn't screaming at him all the time. You know, I cry on and off because you're pregnant Mm -hmm. and that's what happens. And we're also just women. I think I cry on and off. just like a pregnant fucking woman and I'm not. (laughs) Exactly. We were watching Outlander last night and I'm bawling my fucking eyes out, like weeping in the corner. My boyfriend just looks at me like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's welcome to dating us. Um, yeah, so it was it was the most brutal experience of my life. And, you know, the idea of having to do this again for a second child is scary to me. I'm just like, mm. just focus on right now. Just, you know, do this thing, have this mm. baby. Um, and I'm older, too. You know, I would be yeah. 38 or 39 on child number two, which luckily I'm super healthy and again, fertile. Mm-hmm. But putting my body through drugs again just seems so scary because yeah. it just when you're in it, you just feel like you're never going to get out. You feel like you're a prisoner in your own body and you don't know what's going on and nothing makes sense. And that's so hard for you, Kelly, also because you are someone that is so connected to their body. So Mm -hmm. it's like you've gone from like such deep self-awareness and connection to then having that all stripped away from you. And it's like that, that would feel like being a prisoner. Totally. And it's just, I, I, kept telling Connor, I feel like I've done so much work. I've done so much work. I've done ayahuasca. I've done mushrooms. I've healed from chronic illness. I journal. I've, you know, all the things. And it feels like it was all thrown out the window. And I was so scared that I was going to have to start back at scratch because that's what it really feels like. It's like, you just, you're completely out of control. You have no idea who you are. And it's like, everything that you've done is just gone. And luckily I know now, obviously I can think from a rational place where I'm like, no, I'm good. Um, I don't have to start from scratch, but it is, it's, it's incredibly disheartening the entire time. And it goes to show though, also like that is what those hormones do to your brain chemistry and your body. Like that is scary to think that is what it fucking does. And like this shit is handed, like, like the hormonal birth control is handed out. Like the pill is handed out. Like it's going out of fucking fashion. Mm -hmm. And even with the whole Roe v. Wade thing, like I actually just did a whole podcast on this because so many women now feel like they should go on hormonal birth control. They're not trusting their bodies as much. And it's like, that's like the opposite of what you want to do because you just hand your power away to somebody else like again and you feel like you are out of control and out of your mind. Yeah, I agree. Same. It's I, I remember calling my dad um when we before we were doing the transfer when I was mm. on the birth control and you know he's asking how are things going, blah blah blah. Mm. And I said, Dad, this is crazy. I now understand my 15, 16, 17 year old self, why I was mm. so extreme with my moods, why I would snap at anything. And I really feel like I had been taken over by these hormones and it wasn't me. And he was like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Like you have this external thing that's pumping hormones into your body, into your already sensitive body, especially at a young age as you're developing. Mm -hmm. 
of course that's going to happen. And you don't realize when you're in it and you think that you're doing it for the right reasons. They put me on birth control at at such a young age because I wasn't getting periods. And they basically told my mom. I hate that. They they want to do that to my sister. My sister's really athletic, was like, it still is very athletic. And she didn't get her period. I think till she was like 17 or 18. I was a late one too. I think I was like 16. So late compared to the majority. And they luckily, because I'd already like, I'm a lot, I'm a bit older than her. Luckily, because I was already into this whole world of periods when she went to an endocrinologist, um, to like check everything was okay. And they wanted to pump her full. My mom and I were like, absolutely fucking not. But they literally like painted this picture. Like there is like your body is broken mm-hmm. and that it's not healthy and that you have to go on the pill to get your period. But it's like, if you understand the pill, it's not your fucking period. Like it's not doing anything good for your body anyway. Inst- like, anyway, it's just, it's, it's really sad how many women are like put into these situations with hormonal birth control and they don't realize the damage that it's doing to their body. Yeah. I mean, I got my period at 10. So I had Mm. had my period and then I was very athletic, very thin, you know, strong, but thin. And, um, I stopped getting it and they said, well, if she doesn't get it and it's not regular, she's just never going to be able to get pregnant. So here go on this thing. Well, the funny thing was, and you'll appreciate this. Have you ever heard of seasonal? Yes. Yeah. So they put me on seasonal. So you basically never get a period on seasonal. So it didn't even fucking make sense. So I was on seasonal for like 10 years. Jesus. Got a period three times a year and was a complete wreck. Well, duh. <laughs> wow. I mean, I can't even deal when I have like a, like last cycle, my period was a bit fucked because um of all the traveling we've been doing with different time mm-hmm. zones and like Europe and stuff. And like, I had a 16 day luteal phase and Ooh. I was like on day fucking 12, I was like, and my boyfriend was like, I have never wanted your period so badly. Like I just needed the fucking release. And it's like to be put on something like that, or just to even not understand and be aware of like how your body works as a woman, I just think is we can put so much shame and guilt and hate towards ourselves when, when like now, because I have such a deep self-awareness when I'm on day fucking 15 in my luteal phase and I'm annoyed and just frustrated and there's so much built up tension. I'm not shaming myself. I'm completely aware of what's happening. I know it's just my luteal phase. My boyfriend knows that's what's happening. And it's like, there's no shame put on you as an individual person. It's like, it brings so much more kindness and empathy towards your body. I agree. And you know, the Mm. other crazy thing that I don't feel like enough people talk about is, okay, so we're talking about the pill. So now there's more awareness around how taking the pill can cause leaky gut and inflammation and make you fucking crazy and, you know, cause all these disruptions. But what we're not also talking about is how impacted we are by the IUD. So Mm -hmm. I think, okay, well, I won't take the pill, but I'll do the copper IUD because it's non-hormonal. So I go get, by the way, 14 years of chronic illness go get the copper IUD and had already healed from a lot of my symptoms. The day after I get that shit put in me, all of my chronic illness symptoms come back. I can't see. I have extreme brain fog. My body hurts from head to toe. I'm depressed. And I deal with that for four months, not putting two and two together. Cause to me, I'm like, it doesn't have hormones. It's fine. Well, the whole point of an IUD is to cause systemic inflammation in your body. It can't cause it in just one spot in your uterus to keep you from getting pregnant. That's not how the body works. If it's in one thing, it's in the entire thing. So I have this like raging inflammation in my entire body And I finally get on all these message boards and I put it in and I realized from thousands of women reporting the same exact problem, 
I go back into my doctor. I'm like, you got to pull this shit out of me. It's been four months. Like I know what this is. And she tells me that there's no possible way that that's happening. And I'm like, I don't fucking care. Yank it out. Most painful experience, by the way. I hope, I hope that birth doesn't feel like that. Because dear God, at least you know that birth is going to be like oh. you know for something really beautiful and it's your yeah, baby. Yeah, at least you get a baby at the end. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, fuck, it's so crazy. We think that mm. okay, well, I'll replace this thing with this thing, and it's just another problem. It's just another masking of a whole yeah. other issue. And I'm like, God damn it, we are just being lied to after lie after lie after lie in these layers, and we have to advocate for ourselves and we have to ask better questions. Well, my whole thing also is just like, it's not female empowerment, right? The whole thing about like, it's, it's female empowerment to have the pill and all these, I'm like, no, it's fucking not. You're handing your power over to something or someone else. That's actually wrong. And then the second thing also is like, how is it that like, you know, even just as an example, like we're watching Outlander, my boyfriend's watched it before, but I haven't. And I'm like, these women in like mid 1700s, like, okay, some of them are having more babies than maybe we would choose to have, but most of them are pretty fucking aware of their cycle. Like even Jamie says to Claire, like, you've never been a day late in your life and it's been two months. Like he's fucking aware of her cycle. So he knows that she's pregnant and she hasn't even told him. And I know it's a fucking movie, but point being is like, we have not had hormonal birth control for most most of our human existence and we have survived and we've been pretty fucking fine without it because if you understand your cycle you understand you can only get pregnant five days out of the month so if you understand that it's like oh i actually don't need hormonal birth control to quote unquote not get pregnant it's like Mm -hmm. if you know your cycle you know your symptoms you're self-aware and like you trust your body then you're gonna be okay Right. And I say that all the time and then people clap back at me. Well, what if my cycle is irregular? Well, then you need to take the steps to get your cycle to be regular. You have to get to the root cause. That's why I love all of these different female doctors who are writing Mm. these amazing books. I'm trying, I'm blanking on what they're called right now. Um, not natural. Cycles, Alyssa Vitti is a really good one. Yes. Alyssa Vitti and yeah. Aviva Ram, right? right? Their books, like so incredible. They talk to you about supplements, detoxing, the food you should be eating, where you are right. in your cycle, all of that to support regulating your cycle. That is how you get it in tune. Obviously, if you don't know what your cycle is, don't go have unprotected sex. Like, try to be smart. <laughs> but like once that shit is dialed in, you're fine. Take your temperature, track it on an app. And like, it is what it is. But we have this fear because Western medicine has just pumped us full of these ideas Mm -hmm. that you can get pregnant anytime and that that's not safe. And so take this pill or use this thing. It's like, no, have we not learned? Thank you, COVID, that the system doesn't work and that we're being lied to. It's just, and even just like, if, if people didn't haven't picked it up before, like Roe v. Wade is an example of like, the government doesn't actually fucking care about you. Like they're not actually trying to protect you or look after you. Like they do not actually care because if they cared, there is a fucking long list of reasons why abortions are important. And like, I do not care about like one person's opinion. That's like a weird politician that is just fucked in the head. I don't care what he thinks because if he actually was doing this for the good of all humanity, he would understand that like abortions are needed for way more reasons than what he's just aware of. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I think 
I'm with you. I I'm mm. learning a lot in the birth space too, which is literally mm. just an extension of birth control. It's so interesting to me. Um, it is very fucked up, but it when is I'm... like even the C-section <laughs> rate Kelly in America compared to other countries. It's like it's everybody unreal. wants to, I actually heard the other day, a family member of mine, she's already booked in her C-section because she doesn't, she's like, I just like, don't want to have to deal with birth. So I just booked in my C-section. I'm like, what the fuck? It's like, a my major mom told me that. Surgery. I was like, I know. I was like, wait, what? I will do everything in my power to prevent me from having to take one, any drugs and two, a fucking C-section because it's not good for me, not good for recovery, not good for the baby. Now, obviously, isn't it amazing that Western medicine is there for when we need it? Like it is important, but like what I just... I long for the day, Kelly, where when you go into a doctor's office, you have two, or like a surgeon's room or the hospital or emergency room, you have two doctors that come in, one that's Western, one that's one that's Eastern, or they know both sides and they tell you a full, well-rounded approach of things of like, okay, we have to do the surgery, but these are all the things that we're also going to be doing to support your body. These are all the supplements to take. These are the fucking meditations to do. Like you're going to be good to go. I would actually feel so much more supported and safe going into those environments because even just from my ski accident, like I've had four sodas with my fucking knee, I'm 25. I have just given up trusting doctors after my last experience. Like it was so traumatic. And I've witnessed, I've had American surgeon surgery before, but like, I don't know, like the, the doctor that I had in New York was the most awful experience of my fucking life. And I'm like, I just don't get how people go to bed at night thinking that the way that they interact with their patients is okay. Cause I, I to me, I'm just like, what the fuck? Okay, so for all of you that have a less than ideal cycle or period or endo or PCOS or bloating or back pain or whatever issues come with your cycle and your period, and you are, if you are not in your perfect period, I would really, really recommend that you join it. You can binge watch all three modules as soon as you join. Um, and it is jam packed full of everything you need to know. It's six hours and about six hours. I think it's actually a bit more than that. And it is jam packed with everything that you need to know about your cycle. Like this shit does not go out of fashion. You will use this knowledge for the other women in your life, for helping them and for helping your future daughters or your, or your nieces, you know? Um, so please, 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 please do yourself the favor and stop complaining about living with a shitty cycle if you're not going to do anything about it because this program is going to blow your mind when it comes to understanding your cycle. And honestly, like this is, you can't put a price tag on this. Like you have a period once a month and why are so many of us allowing ourselves to be in pain and discomfort for like a week every fucking month? It, it doesn't make any sense. So if you're like enough is enough, then make sure you join your perfect period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just and no I real think, care. No, it's not real care. And I, I've said this about so many things within medicine. It's a top down issue. It's the same thing of why you go to a Western medicine doctor and they don't know anything about chronic illness. It's because they've learned from a book that's 30 years old. They don't do any continued education. They don't ask questions. They're just Mm -hmm. taught, go by the book. This is what you do and give them this pill that you are sponsored to give from Pfizer and call it a day. Right. And like, they don't ask better questions. And I think the same thing happens within birth and birth control and all these things 
we have had men who invented these things, whether it's C-sections or induction or birth control, and they give it to us and they tell us why it's good for us and how it empowers us. Men tell us how a thing they invented empowers us. And then we say, well, I'm a feminist. So obviously I'm going to buy into this. And we went off on this when you were on OK Babe about feminism and how much fucking bullshit it is. I'm here to support women, but not the way that we have created it in society. Feminism and birth control and the birth system are all tied, right? It's like we've all bought into this men's system that is here to break us down, not to actually empower us, but because we have been taught to just listen and go by the book, here we are, completely disempowered, following the Mm -hmm. rules, not advocating for ourselves, getting the fucking shit cut out of us when that's not necessary and being pumped with Pitocin and then an epidural, which actually counteract each other. But we're like, oh, but that's what everyone does. And like, let's schedule this out because that makes sense. I know. I mean, Kelly, two things. Firstly, (laughs) um, a friend of a friend just had her baby and we were like at dinner with her and she was saying how like she got an epidural or whatever. And, she, and then um, my boyfriend was the one that was like, so was it painful? And she was like, well, I couldn't feel my legs at the end. So not, no, I, I actually, when she said that, I felt so, like nothing against her, whatever. We're all in our own journeys. I like no shame. And, and who knows, maybe I need a fucking epidural for some reason, like whatever, like nothing wrong with it. But also I was just like, like, it was like a, just to me, it was like, it wasn't an empowered thing. The doctors, I'm pretty sure from when I can remember, the doctors just gave it to her and it was just like, no questions asked. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just felt like, isn't that so sad that like you're birthing your baby, you didn't need the epidural, but you have not been brought up in a way to trust your body to be like, I can actually do this myself. And it's so fascinating. My second thing is like on the topic that you that you were saying of like, you know, men have created these things and men are telling us what to experience, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I you know, I'm all for men. I love men X, Y, and Z, but like, we will never understand their experience for something and they will never understand ours. So like, it wouldn't be fair for a woman to create something and then to be like, okay, all men go and do this because it's like, well, have you experienced it as a man? No. So like, that's just not fair. It's like, I am with you on that. If we are saying a certain gender should do something, I hope that the same gender has invented that thing. So they are actually having the same experience and reaction in their brain, not the opposite one. So when we're talking about birth, like I've, I said to my boyfriend, like kind of earlier on in dating, like, Oh, I'll be having an actual birth. And he was just like, absolutely fucking not. And we've talked about it before. And it's so interesting to me where it's like, men aren't taught the wisdom of a feminine, of a woman's body. Mm -hmm. And because of the system, they also then don't trust the wisdom of of a woman's body. Now, as time has gone on, that's like faded quite a bit, right? Because he's, because of my influence where he's like, oh, like I get it now. Even with my cycle in the beginning of like not being on any birth control, I had to really teach him that. And he didn't trust it at the beginning, right? Because it was like, he's grown up in a society like we all have, where we are told to basically go towards something else that will tell us the answer. Like go get this pill, go take an epidural. That's what you should do, have to do. And everybody does that versus trusting like a woman's body or a man's body that it's capable of doing what it is designed to do. Like, I love this tangent that we've gone on, like so much yeah. fucking juice in there. Um, but okay. Coming back to your journey. Cause I want to get going with this. Okay. So how have you and Connor navigated this whole experience? Like, obviously it was very different for Connor than it was for you. I don't know whether you know what it was like for Connor, whether you guys have talked about that. I'm sure you have, but how have you guys navigated this? Because IVF, no matter what the situation is, is stressful on any 
couple, like a fertility journey, full stop, can be really stressful in any couple. So how have you guys navigated this and maybe like some tips that you can share with the listeners? Yeah, I mean, we definitely should have been in therapy from the beginning. Um, that would be my first tip and the first kind of mistake we made. We started therapy a couple months ago. Um, Mm -hmm. when I started sort of tapering off the meds and once I was already pregnant, um, because it felt like I could have a more rational conversation because once I was in it, it was like game over. You can't talk to me. Like you're not talking to me. You're talking to some other entity version of me. And so that was extremely helpful. But I think, um, we thought we were prepared and, we thought that we had the resources and the support and we'd done the work and we're older, you know, all the things. And we just weren't. And we both admit, we just didn't ask enough questions for what this journey was going to be like. And I think one of the things for me that I struggle with is I never want someone else's projections of what their journey is going to be like and their experience. Cause theirs could be totally different than mine and, totally. you know, vice versa. But I I wish that I had been a little more prepared, especially for how the hormones were going to affect me. Um, They don't really tell you much. They're just like, take all these things and like, you'll get a baby. And that's pretty much it. And so I wish I had asked more questions in that way. So does he. Um, I think that we also, we weren't telling each other things. We were both suffering silently. And I was talking to my friends and he was not not talking to anyone. So he was keeping everything inside. And I'm calling my girlfriends. Which most, most men, men do, do, right? 100%. And it finally took, you know, we were fighting and screaming a lot. And that's just not how mm-hmm. we are. Like, we bicker for sure because we're both very bullheaded, you know, stubborn people. Yeah. But we're not like yellers or screamers. Right. And one day we, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but we had one of those um, fighting matches where you like follow each other to different rooms in the house. <laughs> okay. We haven't, but come back to me in 10 years time and maybe we have. <laughs> yeah. It's like we like started in the living room, then we moved to the kitchen, then we ended up in the gym, then somehow we're in his detached office I'm like this is so funny I'm I remember thinking this is insane while we were doing it but it's just what was happening yeah and we're having this fight and it was so profound because it was like we were both finally sharing the things that we hadn't said to each other Mm -hmm. and something he said to me that I think radically changed our trajectory and our experience was I just married you and I don't know where my wife went and I'm really scared she's not gonna come back Oh my God, that has just given me goosebumps and like broken a piece of my heart, Kelly. I know. I know. I sat there. I remember exactly where I was sitting in the gym when he said that to me. And I was like, oh my God. But you know what it did? It resonated so deeply with me. My response to him was said, I feel the same way. I don't know where I went either. And I'm scared I'm not going to come back. Oh, Kelly. And that moment truly bonded us because I think we saw each other for the first time where it was like, this is so hard. And we were not prepared for this. And we love each other so much. And this is really scary because we have so much fun. We are best friends. Connor and I do everything together. We run our company together. We play together. We do everything. And it was like all that had gone out the window and we couldn't see each other. And so once we admitted that and he started explaining to me more and more about like, 
I try and help. I'm trying to do these things. And like, you think I'm not helping, but this is how I help. This is how I love. This is how my grandfather showed up for my grandmother. You know, those little things that he had never voiced. I started to see where I wasn't recognizing him for showing up in his own way because it didn't look exactly how I wanted, even though he could have shown up exactly how I wanted. And I probably will still would have picked it apart because I was being crazy. Right. And so we just started to be more honest after that. And I think that really changed things because again, like we don't have a standard relationship. So we, before we got pregnant would have threesomes and we're in a monogamous Mm -hmm. relationship. And that was out the window. We weren't even talking about other women. Fantasies were gone. We had just completely changed everything that was going on in our relationship. And he was scared to ever even bring something up like, Hey, we used to do this thing and now we don't. And are we never going to do it again? Because I said to him, I don't think I like women. I feel like you talked me into this. So then he feels like she thinks I'm manipulating her. And it was just, it was dark and it was really uncomfortable. And so we started to just have more conversations. And I think it just opened up the door for us to be vulnerable and to say, hey, this fucking sucks right now. We both want a baby. This is what we right. signed up for. And to trust each other in the process and know that once the hormones are, you know, mostly subsided, I'm like mm. a normal pregnant person, things will get better. Um But yeah, I mean, I I feel like therapy early on is super important. Being really honest about your experience and also not blaming the other person. Like once I started taking responsibility, not for the hormones, because I can't really take responsibility for the hormones, but just saying like, hey, this isn't your fault. I just need you to know how I'm feeling right now. Mm -hmm. That changed things too, because then I'm not blaming him. And, you know, we've talked so much about emasculating men. That's all I was doing. And then he just feels bad. And he's questioning everything and he's on the defense. And he would have felt really bad because like, you know, nothing against Tana, but like you guys had to go into this because of him. Right. So like, like that was already a huge component of probably shame that he already had Mm -hmm. going into this. So he's probably feeling like I've made my fucking wife do something that's making her go crazy. Am I ever going to get her back? She's so sad all the time. And this is all my fault. Mm-hmm. Right. It was just makes a man retreat even more, which is why you guys wouldn't have been having conversations. And because he wasn't coming to you wanting to understand everything that you were going through, then you don't go to him because then you punish him for not doing that and not being what you want and need. And it's just this like vicious cycle. And I think this is a reminder, Kelly, just for everybody, like communication is everything in a relationship, but also something that me and my boyfriend do. Cause I mean, we've nothing compared to like what you guys had to go through, but even just like I've like moved out of New York. We've just, we actually just bought a house, which is super exciting, but you know, we've like (laughs) dream house. I'm very, very excited for it, but we've like have been moving around Airbnb houses and traveling, going to Australia. And just like, it has been a lot Kelly. And something that we always say to each other is like, this is temporary. Mm -hmm. And I say it to myself all the time when things feel like this is never going to fucking end or I'm blaming him for something. Right like some dumb shit that I'm blaming him for. It's like, it's not his fault. This is fucking temporary. And like two days later, I'm like, why was I being a bitch about that? You know, like this is temporary. It's like a fucking mantra that needs to be shoved in everybody's head when they're going through things in a relationship. (laughs) Yeah. It's so true. We, when, when we're in it, we can't see that it's so hard. So I think having that mantra of this is temporary, I trust myself. I trust you. Like Mm -hmm. this is our foundation. And I think that's the other thing is, 
having a strong foundation in your relationship before yeah. you go through things like is so important. And obviously things come up, you know, and yeah. you can't always plan for it. But that's why I think finding someone where you can create that foundation, have that open dialogue, trust them, know that they're going to show up and, and whatever their personality is and all of those things in hard moments. I think that is so important to go through before you step into something oh, yeah. like this as a choice. I mean, you need that sense of safety knowing like I feel like I could literally be a crazy bitch and he would never leave me because of that sense of safety that's been created from all that foundational work, right? From the open, vulnerable conversations, from the hard conversations, from like all those moments where instead of running away from each other, you come together and you want to know what the other person is experiencing because you love them and they want to know what you're experiencing because you love them. Like relationships are not perfect. They're fucking hard. We need to stop thinking that they're perfect all the time but like you will make them feel more perfect by having good conversations and open and open dialogue and always making your partner feel like they could come to you with anything right yeah and I think that's like not having judgment there are so many things that people are scared to voice whether it's Mm -hmm. fantasies or desires or fears or you know whatever it is and they've been so judged their whole life for being who they are. If you can be the one person who holds that space for them to allow them to fully express themselves and say, okay, like you have this kink or, oh, you have this like super seemingly irrational fear of spiders and it affects you in X, Y, Z way. Like, I'm not going to judge you, you know, it's like, how can we do that? Because then that opens the door for them to come to you more and more. Mm -hmm. And then you can have more conversations and watch people as they blossom and bloom through Mm -hmm. those things because they were able to come to you and not feel judgment and feel shame about who they are. I, amen. I always say like, it is your responsibility to make the other person feel like they can open up to you. It is not their responsibility to just open up and wear their heart on their sleeve. I feel like a lot of this personal development world is very much like wear your heart on your sleeve, wear your heart like all the time. And it's like, well, no, because it's the other, like the other person firstly has to make you feel like they just like, like, uh, like they are deserving of you doing that. Right. So it's like, as a, like, you know, if you're in heterosexual relationship as a woman, it is your man's job to make you feel like you can share anything with him and that he will receive it and take it and love it. And then it's your job to do the exact same for him. Yes. I a hundred percent agree. Amen. Okay. So let's quick, quick question actually on the topic of sex and all this stuff. Okay. How is sex during pregnancy? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, oh my God, I can talk to you about this. This happened last <laughs> night. Oh, I love this. Fresh. Oh my God. Okay. So it happened. And then I was like, I said to Connor, I'm like, that was really interesting. He's like, I feel like you have something to say, but you don't want me to know. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty much it. So <laughs> I like anal sex. I love anal sex and we haven't done it since I've been pregnant. And yeah. I, you know, I'm in my second trimester. So it's been a hot minute. And I told him two days ago, I was like, I need it in the butt. Like, please. Mm -hmm. Like, I just am craving it. And so love my husband. He's like, I shall deliver. So last (laughs) night (laughs) we start having sex and he's like, he's, this is so graphic. I'm so sorry, but he's like, no, my my audience will love this. (laughs) He's in my vagina, which by the way, I was like, 
I need lube. And he's like, no, you don't like, you're not like, you don't feel really dry to me. I feel really dry. I'm normally like a very wet person, but this time, whatever in my pregnancy, I'm just really dry. Yeah. And so I was like, I need lube. And he's like, no. And so he's inside of me and he's like hitting it in a certain way. And it feels kind of dry, but it's also making me want to pee. And I'm just like, oh my God, like (sighs) the baby's pushing on my bladder. Now I got a dick pushing on my bladder. Like it's a whole thing. And so (laughs) He's like trying to put it in my butt. And I'm like, no, like I need lube. I also have to pee. So I like, have to get up. I'm like, I'm going to go get the lube. And he was like, grab your toy too. And I'm like, okay. And then I was like, I'll be right back. And he's like, are you all right? I'm like, yeah, I have to fucking pee. Like I just got to pee. Yeah. I never do this. So I come back. I've got the lube. I got the toy. I'm like super clunky and awkward. He wants to put it in my butt. And so then he finally does no, before that, he goes, when I come back, he's like, I want your mouth on my dick. I'm like, okay. So I go down on him. Yeah. I fucking puked in my <gasps> mouth. Oh my God. I was not expecting that. I know. I have never in my 34 years, whatever, 15, whatever years. You must have heard of 34 years yeah. of giving head. No, never have I ever puked in my mouth. Puked. I have gag reflexes oh. for sure. But like pregnancy, I threw up for like seven or eight weeks straight every day, multiple times a day. So I think Uh, I just, it's there. Yeah. And I swear, he's like pushing my head down on his dick. His dick is like deep in my throat. I threw up like twice in my mouth. I'm trying to be sexy. He's talking dirty to me about what he wants to do with his dick in my ass. I'm like trying to answer him. I'm like, I can't let him know that I just puked in my mouth on his dick and then like had to swallow it it was so i'm like sweating in red right now so then (laughs) he's like come up here so he grabs me i have to make sure that i don't like puke in my mouth and he's like kissing me and i'm like does he taste this like oh my god so then he like i get on top of him and my favorite position like for anal is like i'm riding him on top Uh and he puts it in that way and so i'm like got the lube do the whole thing and he's inside of me and it's just like it feels amazing and it's also so weird and uncomfortable and I'm just like and it's just clunky like it's just not smooth and sexy and so anyway I have I have an amazing orgasm so does he like the whole thing is great yeah and then I just like laying in bed after he goes downstairs to watch tv because I go to bed at like 8 p.m now and I'm laying in bed and I'm just like what the fuck just happened Oh my God. This is the greatest sex story I have ever fucking heard in my life. Thank you, Kelly, for enlightening with this. Like you've made my day. Oh my God. Wow. I mean, it's just, that was hilarious. Mostly it's been like, that's pregnancy sex. That's pregnancy (laughs) sex. Like have fun throwing up on your husband's dick. I just, I'm loving the boobs. I have huge boobs. Like you have boobs. boobs. You're going to, yeah, I didn't really. I had like B cup, like normal boobs. Okay, I'm I have like, like a huge D. boobs now. Okay, yeah. so I have your size boobs now. Okay, which is Love just that. insanity to me. I am so yeah. here for it. Um, <laughs> but I like I have a belly, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's that, and I've gained like I don't know, 15 pounds now, uh-huh. which is fine. But it's just I'm a different size. Like yeah. sometimes I have to pee when like I normally wouldn't. I'm really dry right now, whereas like normally I would be really wet. I like talking about girls in bed, like, and talking about different fantasies and scenarios. And like mm. first trimester, I couldn't do that because I was mm. so scared he was going to leave me. I was crazy. Now mm. all I can think about is like, oh my God, girls are so hot. And like, want to mm-hmm. talk about it. It's just so funny how it goes in such waves and it comes mm. in ways you're not going to expect it. <laughs> He's like, you're such a hornball right now. And I'm like, <laughs> I know. 
like I can't get enough it's just so funny I'm like this is this I really should like write a movie or something because oh my god that is you need to write a book about this especially with like how open you are about like sex and everything and like you need to write a fucking book about this and please include in chapter one so I vomited on my husband's dick during pregnancy (laughs) during sex when I was pregnant okay (laughs) but I need your advice okay so we're recording an episode of okay babe today and I was gonna wait and tell him live on the show because that's usually Mm. what I do but Mm. should I tell him or not I can't decide if it's gonna like ruin things I mean I think I I would tell him like I think if anything he'll find it fucking hilarious yeah and he might he might feel bad like babe oh my god why did why did you not tell me like I feel so he might feel really bad but also like surely he'll find it funny do you know what I mean it wasn't like you haven't like damaged him or anything like like you didn't bite a chunk of his balls off or something and he doesn't know like he's still he's still all in one piece I think it's fucking hilarious I think you should tell him on the air like I don't think he would get mad about that you guys are already super open yeah what if he never wants me to go down on him again though no I don't I mean he's a man that is not gonna happen I'm pretty sure yeah I'm pretty sure he will take it all day any day that you offer that oh my god okay I'm gonna do it thank you I needed that encouragement (laughs) that is so funny okay so moving on from sex you obviously run a very successful business and are an incredible CEO do you have any plans or any insight of what you're planning to do now that you will be a mom and a CEO? Yeah. You know, it's, it's so interesting. I'm just such an achiever and I Mm. really love working and I love what we do. Um, so I'm kind of grappling with that right now. I think my plan postpartum, um, is to take, I'm due in December. So Mm -hmm. my plan is to take, Oh my God, Mm -hmm. you're so lucky. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so take like most of December off, um, okay. cause we do, we do for our company anyway, which kind of worked uh-huh. out Perfect. and then take all of January and then a few weeks of February. So about eight mm-hmm. weeks is my plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're setting everything up like with the infrastructure and our COO who is amazing. I'm so grateful yeah. so that I don't have to do stuff. Um, but I know like I'm going to want to answer questions and like mm. checking on things and of course. Yeah. So I want to, I just want to be in a place where I have boundaries and I don't feel like, oh my God, everything's going to fall apart without me. So I've really Mm -hmm. been working on removing myself in a lot of ways from the center of the company, Mm -hmm. even though it is mine and I'm like the face of it. And a lot of clients Mm -hmm. come to work with me. I want it to be about our team because they're incredible, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I've been working on that. And then I'm also working on launching another company right now in a totally different space. Yeah. So that will probably launch next spring or summer. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm also in creation with that. So it's like... That's exciting. Yeah, it feels amazing. It's just so funny. Like, I'm like, push the brakes, but also go really hard. Yep, yep, <laughs> um, yep. So it's it's a fine line of balance for me. So I don't know exactly what that'll look like. I've never wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. It's just not my personality. Amen, I mean, I'm talk saying. to me when I have a baby. Maybe that'll change. Like, yep. you know, I, I'm not pro- making any promises. But Connor actually really wants to be sort of a stay-at-home dad. And we're mm. lucky because we both work from home. We run our company. He podcasts at home. So he could work still and mm-hmm. be more of a caregiver which I really like. And I feel like it just fits our dynamic and our personalities. I'm much more driven in terms of work and making money. And he, you know, has his hobbies and like loves doing his things and is more supportive in that way. So I think it suits us really well. Um, But we'll see once the baby's here and and how that goes. Um, But that's kind of the plan right now. I love that you're just like, wanting to make yourself a bit more removed now so you don't feel that pressure yeah. when you have the baby and you can just kind of pop in when you want to but you don't ever feel like you need to or that your team needs you for something when you don't want to be there that day 
Totally. I love yeah. that. Okay. Thank you. What are you most excited for for being a mom? God, I just feel like this is my life's purpose. Mm. Like, I've just never been so sure of something in my whole life. Um, Kelly. Yeah, I just, like, it's it's the reason I stopped my podcast um, in a lot of ways. Last mm-hmm. year, I was in this mastermind with a bunch of amazing women, and we were going around the table, and um, we were talking about what's the one thing that you haven't admitted that you want to let go over that you don't want to do and what's the one thing you really want and when it came to me I just said I don't want to have a podcast anymore and they were like well what do you want and I said I just want to be a mom Mm -hmm. and I think that so much of my energy was in the show which I loved and you know did it for four years and it was amazing but I just felt like so much of the energy that I was giving to other people and sharing myself and all of that, I wanted to give to my child and I wanted to step more fully into that role. And I've just, I've always wanted to be a mom since I was a little girl. And it just feels like truly why I'm here on this planet is to be a mother. And I'm such a mom to all my friends and to my husband and, you know, to everyone around me, it's just kind of how I am. And so I know that this is just going to be such an incredible experience and fucking hard and all the things. Yeah. And also I've, I've just never been so sure and so calm about something in my whole life. Oh my God. I'm so excited for you. Yeah. This is going to be amazing. And <laughs> also you. your baby is a Sag. Like, I think you know that I'm a Sag. I'm yes. like, they are just a ball of fire. You're going to have so much fun with your child. It's going to be the you best. You know, I'm a Sag. Wait, are you? I didn't know that. Yeah. Wait, maybe I did know that and I've forgotten. Are I think an, we talked about a, it like a long time ago. I'm December Are you a type 10. 8 Enneagram as well? Oh my God, wait, I'm 11th. We have not talked yeah. about this because I would yeah. fucking know that. You're December 10th? Yeah. I'm December 11th. But you know what's funny? I'm December 11th in Australia, which is December 10th in America. Oh. Oh my God. Wait, are you a rising Gemini as well? No, I'm a Leo sun and moon. Okay, so I'm double Sag rising Gemini. So you are wow. triple fire. Yes, which Holy makes fuck. so much sense. Yeah, that and then so I'm, a, sense. Yeah. I'm an Enneagram two wing three. Uh, okay, that also makes sense. Okay, yeah. and I'm and I'm an eight. I'm a I'm a hard eight, which also makes sense. I like have never understood people pleasing. I'm like yeah. never done it, never understood it. I am like such a boundaries bitch. That's I'm, why like, I fucking not, love you. <laughs> I'm like, do not tolerate anybody's shit. I'm like, yeah. I just don't. I'm just not here to please people. I'm like, no, I'm going to do me. Bye. Like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I love it. Okay. Is there any final things that you want to share with us about this journey, Kelly, that you haven't gotten a chance to say that you feel like would be helpful? Yeah. I think the one thing I just keep like want to reiterate around the IVF process is two things. One, make sure that you have an amazing support system around you, um, <laughs> girlfriends, your partner, whoever that is, so that you can be really honest about what's coming up for you. Because I like genuinely wanted to jump off a cliff and that's not a good feeling and it's not safe. Right. So being able to tell people like, Hey, this is what's going on. Um, you know, I wanted to divorce Connor. I was mm. like, did I make a mistake? And the girls were like, no, these are the five reasons you love him. And this is why but you're also, with him. Like that's the pill. Do, wait, do you know that Kelly, that the pill changes your smell receptors so you can become yes. unattracted to your partner. Mm-hmm. Right. There yeah. you go. There's a, there's a, there's a fucking prime example of totally. like reason one of why the pill sucks. Exactly. So I think having support in a village is crucial in mm. any circumstance, like just every day, but in this so important. Yeah. And the, the other thing is 
Do your research around wherever you are going for fertility treatments. Make sure that you connect with the doctors. Make sure that you feel seen and heard and that you ask the right questions and be willing to probe them. Um, We didn't find out until I was already pregnant that there's another um, place here, a fertility clinic that actually has really high rates of success, but they're more holistic. And we just didn't look into that, right? And so, you know going back, would I have done it differently? I don't know. But I think just knowing your options, connecting Mm -hmm. with the doctors, asking really good questions, making sure that you're advocating for yourself. Yes, you want a baby, but we don't need to be desperate. There are lots of ways to have children. Um, So I think those are the two things that I just want people to remember. I love that. Thank you so much for your time, for your wisdom, for your entertainment, for your stories. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) It was amazing as usual, Kelly. I really appreciate your time. Oh, I appreciate you. Thank you. Um, what is your Instagram handles? Everyone can go and follow you and follow your pregnancy journey. Yeah, it's Kelly T. Moore, Kelly with an I. Um, and then our Soulfire One is Soulfire Productions Co. Guys, if you have not heard the good news, hold on to your pants. I am coming to Melbourne, Australia, finally, to do my first Australian event. And I could not be more excited. So the waitlist is currently open. The tickets open up later in October. All the details will be hitting your inbox as soon as you get on the waitlist. The waitlist is important. One, you will get to buy your ticket two days prior to everybody else, which is important because there are very limited spaces and I've got a very big Australian following. And then two, you also get then access and you will not miss out on the access to the early bird pricing, which is the thousand dollars off the ticket. All the details, the date, the location, the pricing, the payment plan options, what's included, all those kind of things are on the website page below. So just click the link in the description, go straight there, get on that waitlist before you even listen to the rest of the episode so that you do not miss out on the opportunity. And I will not be doing another another Australia event again. So it is really important that if you live in New Zealand or Bali or anything like that, that you make this um, possible for yourself. You've got plenty of time. The event is in May next year. So I wanted you guys to have plenty of time to organize, leave with work, to book flights, to book nannies, to do whatever things that you need to do so that you can make this trip work for yourself because you will not regret it.